Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroxy, and debuting on the show, I've got actor and writer Tucker Lewis. How you doing? Hey, Donovan. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. All right. Where are you from? I, let's see, a few different places. I was born in Orlando, Florida. Uh, my parents worked for Disney for 11 years, so I grew up a little as a Disney child. Uh, and then when I was six, I moved to Connecticut and uh, raised most of my life there. And now I've been in New York for the past 10 years. All right. Which one do you like better, Connecticut or Orlando? You know, I like them both for different reasons. I like the imaginative imagination that I was given as a child growing up in Orlando and being surrounded by Disney. I think it really lent lent its my uh, itself to like my um, my creativity and my sensibilities of storytelling, which I'm I'm grateful for because Disney. I mean, who there's some of the best storytellers around, right? Um, but I'm also glad I grew up in Connecticut too because uh, I met a lot of really smart people in Connecticut growing up, and I was surrounded by a really good community up there. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad for both. All right. Did this imagination maybe get you into the arts? Because remember, we had a creative imagination in Orlando. Could this inspire why we got into acting? I think so. You know, it's funny. It took me a long time to realize that because I didn't act as a as a, a kid. I didn't start acting until I was 20 and I was in college already. I think I've always been creative and um, uh, artistic, but... I think I lost that a little bit as I grew up. I got more into sports and athletics, at least in Connecticut where I grew up. That was kind of a more popular thing to do. And it wasn't until I was older and uh, got back into um, more creative stuff that I was like, oh, you know what? I think I think Disney was a huge part of this. I think as it is for a lot of kids, but especially when your parents work for them, like it definitely lent itself to like my sensibilities for sure. I have a cartoonish... My inner thoughts are basically Mickey Mouse and and Donald Duck telling me what to do. They're like the, they're my inner conscience. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, but you came back to it. You tried to run from acting, but you came back from it, didn't you? Yeah. I think entertainment in general is definitely part of my, part of my blood. Um, I think my dad is definitely a storyteller. He's a really uh, good writer and my mom is very expressive as well. And they're both um, have very strong personalities. And I think just, yeah, acting kind of was the, the perfect combination of both storytelling, but also expressing my, my personality and my, my strong emotions. Um, it just, it really saved me, honestly. It made me a better person. And um, yeah, I'm so happy that I get to do it now. That's for a living, which is great. Right, right, right. And you want to tell stories because I said you're an actor and a writer. So this creative, imaginary thought process, what do we like to write about? Yeah, you know, um, I like to write about a variety of different topics. But, you know, lately I've been really focusing on family stories and um, exploring uh, my own family and their, their history and how that's kind of affected me. And, and uh, the generational, um, you know, DNA that's passed down. Uh, and yeah, I, I have a story I'm, I'm working on right now, actually, that's uh, about my my mom's father, my grandfather, who was an alcoholic. And he died when my mom was 12. He was actually shot by their neighbor in a kind of a crazy accident. And um, I've always known about it, but not really known the full story. And I've now been exploring that and learning about the trauma that's been passed down from that 
experience through my mother and then ultimately to me and then the addiction that runs in my family and how that's affecting us and yeah i think that's kind of um there's kind of a, a people deal with that in, in their own way and in, in every family and uh so i definitely think it's a, a relatable thing but it's definitely very personal for me as well so it's something i've really been um been putting a lot of thought into lately and really trying to understand more about mm -hmm. and what do you say to people that have not healed from their trauma because you've discovered within your family you think your mom did not heal from maybe seeing her father being shot did she see him being shot or not necessarily yeah she didn't she didn't see it happen it actually happened on christmas eve uh at like 4 a.m um she was asleep next door but you know she woke up to the police knocking on her door so obviously it's pretty traumatic um but you know what it, i don't know if i have the answer because i'm still maybe trying to figure it out myself um you know i think we definitely through the process of writing this story and the way it's opened up conversation within my family about the um the trauma we deal with but also the the genetics that's passed down you know of addiction as well and 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 how we're overcoming that so i think in a way it actually helped the healing process and it may not be done, um, but it's definitely in motion. And I think the one thing I could take from it is that like, you don't have to be a victim of your family's history. You can overcome it. You can grow from it. You can gain wisdom from it. You don't have to just be wounded all the time and let that affect you, but you can, you can gain wisdom from these past experiences and you can allow it to uh, help you grow and become a better person rather than let it tear you, take you down and get stuck in kind of like the, the loop of, of trauma and addiction uh, right. to break out of it. Right. Know? Did you go through your own trauma that you're going to write about as well, too? Because it's about your mom and dad. But what about your trauma? Yeah, you know, it, I definitely have had my own things. It's all relative. I, I would say that nothing that I've experienced is probably nearly as traumatic as what um, my mom experienced or even what most of the world experiences. I had a pretty great upbringing and I, I, and I would be lying if I didn't pretend it otherwise. Um, but like I said, it, it is passed down the way it affected my mother uh, growing up. It's definitely affected the way she raised me. The fact that I can even sit here and like talk about it, you know, in like in an artistic way uh and not have to like be like you know i don't know on the streets somewhere dealing with a war or famine or whatever it might be you know like a lot of all the world the world exists like exists in the, in the world elsewhere um already shows that like i am in a better place you know than my mother was or her family was so yeah i, I don't want to pretend that like i i'm suffering um this this great thing but um yeah in my own way i have there are personal things that i've dealt with and that's part of what the story is about too it's not just about my grandfather my mother but it's about me and uh my own uh my own journey towards just becoming better bettering myself you know and and trying to um yeah just be the best version of myself that i can be Right, right, right. How is your mental health today? And how's your mom's? I know you can't answer that, but how's your mom doing yeah. today? You know, she's doing great. She actually is doing great. Um, I, I'm doing good too. We, you know, like I was saying, through this conversation, we've become closer and me learning about her past more and, and just being honest about how it affects us. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. I think the communication is open, and and I'm really happy um, that we are able to talk more about this and be so close. I think there's still things that need to be done um, on both our ends to kind of make our communication better and and make our day to day kind of uh, journey better on how we deal with these things. But yeah, it's going really well, Donovan. Thanks for asking. All right, all right, all right. And is there other things you want to touch on that you haven't touched on yet? A future project you'd like to write that you are passionate about aside from mental health and the family? You know what? I will say this. So yeah, that is a very personal project that I've been working on for some time now. But I am in the final stages of post-production for a collaborative project I've been working on with a friend of mine. It's called Demonetized, right? Yeah, it's a satirical dark comedy about a YouTuber named Dante Danger who has recently been canceled for accidentally murdering someone in a prank video that he did. And it is a very different uh, vibe from the story about my grandfather. But, um, you know, me and the, the co-creator, Steve Cadero, we just, uh, when we get together, we can't help but make really funny stuff together. So this is actually um, really more of a commentary on social media, on fame, on um, on the entertainment industry and what it and where it's heading and, and, and Amer- America's obsession with fame. Uh, also, um, just uh, a, a story about a, a, someone trying to figure out who they are in life and what they really want to do to um, how they want to leave their mark on the world. Do they, do they want to make the world a better place or they just want to uh, get attention and have their own selfish kind of success. So I, I'm actually really proud of this thing. We've been working on it for a while. I think it's really funny and um, we'll hopefully have it done by the end of the year. And it's an independently produced pilot, right? We have the whole first season uh, written, but we're going to try and sell pilot to some distributors get it out there. And um, yeah, I think hopefully by next year, people will get to see it. And I think they'll uh, have a good laugh and also, uh, you know, uh, maybe learn something in the process. <laughs> All right. Do you find it similar that it might be similar or people might mistake it for Kelly Keiko's based on a true story? Because she has a project similar to this. What do you call it? That's out now. Oh. Where they, yes. Oh, you know what? I actually did hear about that. I haven't seen it yet, though. I have to watch that because maybe it might be. Um, it's is it about like a um a, a, like an influencer, like a social media? Person? Yeah, her? that was murder. They saw, I think, her and her partner she works with, or I don't know, a partner that she's been in a relationship with. They see a murder, and then they uh, what do you call it? It's kind of like a rom com. So I don't know if it's yeah. similar like that. But it's called based on a true story. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I actually I'll have to check that out because yeah, there probably are some crossovers there. There's also one called like Search Party, which I know is about like some younger uh, hipster generation uh, millennials who like witness a murder and go on this whole thing. This one's a little bit more of a psychological uh, demonetized. I would say is a little bit more of a psychological um, thriller slash satirical comedy because there's a lot of um there's a lot of like sci-fi elements too in terms of like the characters take the world of the story kind of takes place on the internet 
So because of that, it leaves room for this kind of like um, surrealism where like there's glitches happening in the world, almost like Matrix, Matrix-esque. Uh, and you don't know if you're like watching something happen in real life or if you're watching it happen on the internet. You know, there's kind of this crossover, like what's real anymore, you know, and that that's kind of a big theme in the story as well. Mm-hmm. Can sci-fi and comedy meet together? Can they marry each other? Definitely. I think so. I think there's... Um, some of my favorite, um, uh, some of my favorite comedies are, I think, science fiction stuff. Um, and I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> Spaceballs comes to mind. I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's know. also cartoons like Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty is a big uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, they do sci-fi and comedy really well. Yeah, but Rick and Morty, that goes sometimes a little deeper than sci-fi. Just, what do you call it? can go really, really comedy, comedy, but it can be inappropriate comedy. Yeah, <laughs> I would, I, well, yeah, I would definitely say uh, we definitely dip into inappropriate stuff because it, because it's commenting on cancel culture as well and what that means. I think that's a big part of it. Like this character gets canceled for doing something objectively bad um but you also see he's surrounded by other people doing things that are even worse or maybe even not as bad but they're all everyone's getting punished in their own way and i think it's a it's kind of a commentary on free, on on speech as well and what free speech means in society today and how people um are maybe either taking getting taken advantage of um or taking advantage of people so yeah, I think you know you can't talk about that stuff without actually showing it a little bit. You can't talk about people being going o- over the line and getting canceled without actually showing people doing it a little bit. I think there's a fine line between just being offensive and commenting on someone being offensive, and that's right. where the comedy comes in. So I think hopefully if we pull this off, we'll people will get that and understand that we're we're trying to comment on a uh what is considered offensive behavior in society and um you know know that we're actually making fun of it not necessarily just trying to be be offensive but that's always the risk you take when you make a satirical uh, dark comedy so i guess we'll, we'll the audience will let us know right can you survive from a cancellation in the series can you redeem yourself from a cancellation that's right that's a good that's a really good question uh, I would like to think so. I would like to think that everyone deserves a second chance. Um, there's varying degrees of of um, crime and a sin and what punishment goes along with those degrees. Um, so, you know, I think if a person does something wrong, um, there's also varying degrees of redemption that can be, um, that goes, you know, go along with it. I think that it, you can't have one without the other. Right, right, right. So, does canceling work though? That's my other question. Does canceling work? That's a that's a really good question. I think sometimes yes. I think sometimes people absolutely deserve it. Um, and the fact that we have social media and the internet to like spread the word so quickly, so that people that think things that normally people wouldn't know about are being exposed. Like that's I think generally speaking a healthy thing for society, but. Like with anything, sometimes you can go too far. Sometimes um, I think people jump on the bandwagon and maybe they get um, smothered before they even have the the facts of the story of the real incident ever have a chance to be really learned. And that's also something society we're dealing with, with misinformation, with 
um, you know, uh, this whole mob mentality of like uh, wanting to react right away without actually learn taking the time to learn about something. So, you know, it's a fine, once again, it's a fine balance and I don't have the answer, but hopefully through the, our show, we can at least talk about it and discuss this. And yeah, maybe people can come to a better understanding about uh, how to approach it. Right. And listeners, don't cancel Tucker, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I promise. I'm just trying to entertain you. If I say something offensive, it's really just out of uh, me just trying. You know, there, I, I saw this uh, quote recently, Donovan, where it says, you know, art exists in between the what we know and what we don't know. It exists in this unknown. And and that's the point of art and creativity it's it's through the we take things from the unconscious and bring them into the consciousness and through that you have to go through this unknown kind of middle ground where uh where we can absorb this new information and sometimes it's uncomfortable oftentimes it's uncomfortable and oftentimes it, it takes it takes the transition from the unknown to the known for something to be to make sense to people, right? And in that process, people will disagree with it and be upset by it. And some people maybe love it. And, it, and, and, and it's through that process, though, that it, I think it comes into consciousness. And that's part of the whole point of this is like, you know, sometimes you have to give things space to like, to for people to understand it before you can pass judgment on it. And that's, that's what you do as an artist. And that's what the show is about as well. Um, and that's where the idea of, you know, just taking people in and listening to the whole story before you just uh, make a judgment on them. Yeah. All right. All right. Now talk about the acting because you have were well known for two series that you've been in and that you well, got to work with Hugh Grant too. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. I don't know about well known, but I would say that I some people may know it. <laughs> I uh, I got to do a few years ago uh, a series with uh, Nicole Kimmon and Hugh Grant. I got to do a guest star role on HBO's The Undoing, which was really great. Uh, Hugh is a charming man. He smells great in person, if anyone, anyone's wondering. And uh, I got to beat him up. So I know that's a lot of people's fantasies to beat up Hugh Grant. So I got to I got to live that out, which was awesome. And, you know, it's very intimate when you're doing a fight scene with someone. So I got to be very close to you all day long. I'm on top of him. I got, I, at one point, my finger was in his mouth. Very sensual, very sensual. But I was very lucky to be a part of that show. Uh, it was a very, it was a very successful show, which is nice. And uh, yeah, more recently, I did a, a guest star role on um, Rami Yusuf's uh, show on Hulu uh, called Rami, after named after him. Um, and that's a really, really funny and moving um, show. If you haven't seen it, about the Muslim experience in America, and and it's such a modern take on what it means to be a young Muslim person in America. And um, I just, being Jewish myself, I never realized how much, how much in common Jews and Muslims have until I actually started watching Rami's show. And I was so happy when I got to be a part of it, um, especially with what's going on in the world. I think that's a great show for people to watch because yeah, it really just humanizes the experience uh, from both sides. And very funny, honestly, it's such great, 
clever writing. So it was such a pleasure to be a part of that as well. Right, right, right. Now, people who are Muslim who haven't watched Romney's, what do you call it, show, what do you want to yeah. tell them? And they're open-minded to watch it. What do you want to suggest to them? Come with an open mind, be prepared to laugh, cry, or be prepared to be mad. No, I would say be, be prepared to laugh. I mean, it, it, cry a little bit. I, I wouldn't say... It makes you mad. I mean, maybe some parts. Um, uh, I think Rami's definitely critical of uh, the Israeli government in the show. But it's that's honestly such a small part of it. It's really just about the um, the individual experience, the family experience of growing up in America as a Muslim. And it's such a it's such a great uh, look into their life that it gives you such a it gives you such a honest portrayal of what it means to be a Muslim American. And it, I've never seen another show do that. And it's so relatable from someone who's not Muslim. I'm like, oh yeah, I experience the same things they do, but they're doing it just through a, a slightly different lens, you know? And and because of that, it's such a, I think, an important show to see. Okay, okay. And what's your quick message? What do you want to tell the actors that are still on strike trying to ratify a new deal? But what do you call it? Still both sides, they can't I'm come to an agreement. I'm right there with you, everyone. We're, we're, it feels like we're close. The the SAG is giving us updates every day. It seems like we're getting close to a deal, and we just got to hold on a little bit longer. I know it's tough, but um, I think if we can continue to start show up on the pickup lines, continue to support each other, we're going to come out with a better deal in the end and hopefully be able to support ourselves as a community even better after this. So SAG after strong. I'm with you. Okay, okay. And what's your message to the fans? What do you want to tell them about your projects or about yourself? What do you want them to know? Um, I would just say, you know, uh, reach out to me whenever you, if you, if you, whenever you want. Uh, I'm on social media at uh, Instagram at the Tucker Lewis. Uh, yeah, just the Tucker Lewis. Sorry. And um, yeah, follow me, and I love to share my work with you guys. Um, especially with my new show, Demonetize, coming out uh, next year. Uh, keep an eye out for it. Okay, okay. And it's just your name, right, on Instagram, Tucker Lewis? That's right, at the Tucker Lewis. Okay, okay, okay. Any final things you would like to tell the listeners listening? You know what? I just want to uh, express how grateful I am, Donovan, that you reached out to me and that I get to talk with you today. And, um, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you. And it was a pleasure talking to you. So oh, thank I hope you. To talk again soon. Thank you so much. Uh, you're a friend of the show now, and you can come back anytime. Appreciate it, man. All right, all right. For Met Radio 1280 AM, I am Donovan LaCroxy. I would love to thank for being on the show, writer and actor Tucker Lewis. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Donovan. You have a wonderful day. And thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.